Welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman, also called H. And I'm Ryan Quintel, also called Q. So this week, this weekend rather, this extended weekend as we're coming into the uh, Memorial Day week as of the time of recording, <laughs> yeah. uh, was PAX. And uh, I, it, it's fun because now that we've done over a year of Playwright, we're going to kind of circle around to some of the... Uh, the annual conversation points that we only get a hit once a year. So <laughs> yeah, it's true. Time is a flat circle and now PAX is part of our circle. That's right. PAX is a part of our circle. Um, I attended for all of the days. Actually, I spent only about an hour there today and just resold my badge because I'm like, you know what? I've seen everything I want to see. I just want to go home and uh, maybe play some Far Cry 5 or something. <laughs> nice. It's been a great show. Seen uh, a lot of the same stuff as last year, which is fine. Uh, One of the projects that stood out to me, I know that I recommended at least one or two last year, one of the projects that stood out to me was at the Seattle Indies Expo, so kind of a local expo of indie games, called Thousand Threads. Okay. It's kind of like a social management game more than anything else. You're in this kind of wide open space. It's kind of like like an outdoor area with some hills and some trees and stuff. And there's just all of these people, all these villagers that are going around and they you can uh, talk to them. They can ask you for help bringing them items or talking to other people, or they'll report bad things that happen to them by other people. But it's uh, it's interesting because every action that you take, every character remembers that and they form sort of an opinion of you. It's just deep enough to where it feels like the characters are like actually intelligent and there are some like interesting kind of natural stories that arise from that. The gameplay itself is nothing special at this point. You can choose to talk to people or shoot them with a slingshot or, you know, you can steal items from a uh, from a knocked out individual. But I feel like there's the seed of an interesting technology there that I kind of hope goes and branches out into the rest of the world, um, into the rest of the gaming world anyways. I think right now, since it is such an open space that it's uh, that you can explore, it's hard to do anything in secret. And so if you right. are going to steal from someone or beat somebody up or something that's a, more of a negative action, it's hard to not be seen by other uh, computer personalities. But I feel like there's enough there to make me interested in that next step of artificial intelligence. I'd love to find more interesting ways to interact with people in a Grand Theft Auto type game rather than like shooting them or punching them, you know? Right, right, right. Grand Theft Auto main verb being shoot, I would say. Yeah. I was, I just watched the trailer as you were describing it. I was struck by the music. I'm struck by the visuals and I'm I'm actually struck by the font. It's a fantastic little mono-spaced uh, font <laughs> that they're using, which um, uh, a mono-spaced font. designers. Yeah, exactly. For people that don't know, it's a font usually reserved for like writing code or showing like bank transactions. It's very spaced apart um, and it, it makes certain numbers very clear and different from letters. But anyway, it's all very stylized and I, I'm 
strangely compelled by it. I was like so sucked in. And then hearing you describe it, it feels like I imagine that they have to control the scope in terms of what you can do, but it feels Mm -hmm. like you could do a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to oversell it because right now the number of verbs that you can actually enact on the world is super limited. And the gameplay itself isn't like traditionally fun, but it's just really interesting seeing people witnessing something bad that you do go over and tell somebody else and then they have an opinion of you and maybe you can win them back by performing uh, some sort of pro-social action it, it's it's all about like managing relationships and i'm i'm into that you know i, I went to yeah. uh, i just finished with the last guardian and that's kind of what that game is about as well just managing a relationship with this uh, animal and uh, i want more of that Oh, I saw you tweeting about The Last Guardian, and I didn't know if you were currently playing it or just sort of pondering it uh, hmm. as mm-hmm. an afterthought. And yeah, we could talk about that all day. It feels like, in in a way, a playwright game, doesn't it? Yeah, I really like that one. I feel like, to give a quick review, uh, generally positive opinions, but um, I feel like it was kind of a flat plateau of an experience all the way through. It didn't really have much of an arc it just kind of had events that happened along the way which is fine but you know it's just it it felt difficult for me to predict where i was in the story whether i was 10 percent of the way through or one scene before the end you know it all just kind of felt yeah the same all the way through but uh again i don't mind i thought it was a beautiful experience it's just a lot different than what i'm used to for video games yeah i feel similarly and uh, I think you already made the point. It will be fantastic to play on PS5 or 6 yeah. or whatever when it has a good frame rate. Yep. Boy, that thing does chug sometime even on my PS4 Pro. <laughs> well, anyways, let's get to to uh, some video game pitches today. Q, you were absent last week, so I'm going to put you on the spot. First, you've had more than enough time to think about it. <laughs> what are you bringing us today? Okay. So for today, this is going to play off of some themes that I think we've talked about before, but I'm really interested in augmented reality lately. So I want to pitch to you a Pokemon Go style game where there's sort of a layer on top of the real world, but that layer is indications of crimes being committed. And there are Hmm. crimes being committed everywhere And essentially, once you get to a crime location, you get an AR-style Batman visor-esque experience that lays on top of the real (laughs) world, detects surfaces, shows splatters, and uh, maybe bullet casings and all this stuff. And the job is that each one of those is a self-contained puzzle, and you want to go around the world solving crimes that uh, essentially equate to AR physical puzzles of some sort all right starting the clock i think i need to better understand maybe you can help me with this what are the limits of ar right now like how good is it can it detect 3d objects or is it still kind of just guessing at spaces and and obstacles yeah i mean a lot of this is dependent on of course whatever you know your phone you have But AR is getting good enough to the point where it can pretty reliably detect flat surfaces and planes. Um, It can project things onto that space. And in an upcoming uh, update for iOS, iOS 12, which I think comes out in a month or so, 
um, you're going to be able to show the same thing to more than one player at a time. So potentially two Hmm. people could sort of look around and investigate a crime scene. And maybe it's just as simple as like having to physically approach a space and, you know, tapping on a bullet casing to pick it up and inspect it and rotate it sort of resident evil menu style. Um, and maybe answer some questions or something afterwards. Okay, so I have a question. It's weirdly specific. I don't know exactly how to address it. So, Do you get to wear a detective hat if you want to? That's in go. real life. <laughs> Let's say you walk into a space. The phone pretty much has to map out the entire space before it can determine what type of crime happened there. So you can't turn a corner and start seeing crime details because it has to right. be hiding all the evidence in a space. And to do that, it has to know what kind of space it has to work with. And so how do we make that flow into the gameplay experience that it has to get uh, kind of an inventory of the space around you before it can populate it with uh, with evidence? I like the idea of using like leveraging the GPS aspect and the, the location aspect of something like Pokemon Go, where if if you place a crime on the map, maybe based on the types of businesses or like easily accessible map layers of data that, you know, you could even, you could actually, this would be really interesting. You could base it off of the actual crime rate of a particular area. Um, But you essentially take in those layers of data and you assemble a picture of what a crime could be in a particular space. And then depending on how you're collecting the information, you might kind of end up with a setup of as players solve crimes in that space, you you're better mapped and understand what objects are actually there. I think you'll still have the like, oh, I can see the blood splatter on the ground, like through this car or whatever. I think if you are cataloging 3D data from every location a player could go to, that would be kind of an insane amount of storage uh, capacity. And <laughs> well, it so goes I think it's, servers. it's all, it's all magic in the cloud, isn't it? <laughs> sure. Yeah, so I, I think it's fine to uh, just procedurally generate it as a player enters a space. That way, they can do indoors uh, locations, and you know, not necessarily having to go to like a fountain like you would have to in Pokemon Go. Um, I think when it comes to businesses, I think a lot of businesses would be really excited to have, you know, maybe a spot where uh, EVs or Togepies are very fruitful or very <laughs> uh, common. But uh, yeah, not so much like. <laughs> You know, they don't want kids like running into the corner being like, look at all the blood. There's three <laughs> bullets over here. Quick, come check it, check it out. I just solved it. It was the owner. <laughs> that's a there good were point. three murders yeah. here. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's certainly like the dark side with any of these location based games, especially um, AR based games where people are just sort of walking around and trying to find a thing is you don't want somebody walking into a lake, which or into traffic, like what seems to actually happen. Maybe you keep the crimes like less gruesome or whatever, and it's you know a little bit more cartoonish. Um, there might be a way to manage that, but I think it, that that's a valid concern in my mind. I don't I see just, it as a problem unless it's like really like inside heavily a bakery. leveraging businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be cool to base it off of too, like weather or something. If it rains in a location, that like evidence could be washed away. So you're hmm kind of using weather alerts and I use an app called dark sky and it kind of will send me a a notification of it's going to rain in your location in about an hour. Um, which is a very useful notification, even though I often forget to bring my umbrella. 
But I like the idea of knowing that a weather pattern is going to change in a place and it's like, hey, evidence is going to be, you know, distorted or washed away if you don't get to a place in time. You know, also just to circle back to a point you made earlier, I think it would be difficult to utilize real like crime information to determine how common crimes, because that is kind of incentivizing people to walk into higher crime rate areas. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, we don't want to uh, be responsible for anyone actually having a uh, mugging or anything occur. Uh, but uh, this interesting, I think what you could do is you could use like historical crimes. I don't know if there's some sort of an automatic way of populating spaces with crimes that had happened in a space previously. Maybe if it's like famous crimes, like Jack the Ripper murderers or something like that, then uh, that, that could work. Oh, I love the idea of taking like old famous crimes. I'm sure a ton of cities have like some notorious past in terms of somebody that committed a crime wave and using that as the template for um, what sort of things you have to solve in that city. One of the things where I was, when I was going through the Batman route and thinking about progression, I thought it might be interesting to, as you sort of solve crimes, because with Pokemon, you're just, you at least walk away with a collected Pokemon, which is kind of a permanent Mm -hmm. thing. And I was thinking as you solve crimes, maybe you either earn reputation or some sort of currency that essentially allows you to buy equipment that maybe lets you see new layers of information about stuff or even uh, spot things that you couldn't spot before or analyze them differently in some way. I want to make the game still interesting for newcomers, though. I don't want it to necessarily just become interesting once you're three or four cases in. And so they have to always have enough tools to make progress in the case. They don't have to feel like they are necessarily lacking anything. But yeah, we can reward them with uh, with fancier tools anyways. What do you think the sort of interaction could be there? Because I feel like mobile always ends up coming down to like swiping and tapping. And of course, like that's mainly the stuff that you have. But with the the AR aspect of it, you can actually physically like get close to something or rotate around something. Is there is there something interesting we could do with that? Yeah, you know, the uh, the recent Sherlock Holmes video games actually have uh, you can investigate a space, you can find evidence, and so that's obviously something that we can do here. We can rotate the evidence to try to find. I don't know, bullet markings or burn marks or whatever would be indicative of what happened in a space. And then uh, like the Sherlock Holmes video games, you get like a grid um, or just kind of like free floating ideas, the different pieces of evidence, the different things you've learned along the way, just kind of floating in the space. And you can link two of them together to basically unlock like a node of the mystery, uh, like a thought And then once you kind of link all the thoughts in the correct order, then you can kind of tell the story of what happened there. So it still requires some manual input and some thought on the player's end. But, you know, there is a way to solve each case. Wow. I Man, that's really smart. (laughs) I wish I worked on that. (laughs) Yeah, I love the idea of connecting thoughts or thoughts coming to you. Maybe you have some basic, like verbs or something that are kind of in a a word bank for you that Mm -hmm. you can start by like expressing one of those and seeing maybe how things in the environment react to that expression in a way that they're kind of like 
giving like bouncing off a second idea to you as you call something out to them so you have a space where you can find clues you can piece together a narrative of what happened in that space and then you know each clue or each case needs to have some sort of a a a choice that you have to make at the end that you either find you come up with the right answer or you come up with the wrong answer and uh maybe have some sort of a choice in what you do. Do you arrest the person responsible? Do you, are you just there to gather evidence and then it plays out in court later? Uh, so yeah, I'd want some sort of a, a narrative conclusion to, and that's something that not a lot of these go out into the world and investigate games have is a narrative conclusion. Something that kind of ties it all up neatly. I like the idea of going down the route of being social and having maybe community events or some sort of seasonal content where you create a fictional uh, criminal and scatter their crimes kind of around the world or a few fictional criminals and you have to eventually like track them down and and, and track down the criminal based on their location. (laughs) I like that. Well, we're out of time. Let's come up with the name for this one and close the case. What about something like Grim Reality? Grim Reality? I can go for that. Sure. Grim Reality, the detective AR CSI game. Whatever more acronyms you want to throw at it. Love it. Me today, I want to do a tower defense game, but it's all about setting up billboards and advertisements along people's commute. So start the clock there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, mean, very it, brief description. But <laughs> basically, you want to kind of sell things to people. You want to change people's mind about something. And uh, just all of these billboards or advertisements that you could set up, or maybe you're decorating the interior of a mall, uh, they all have a range of influence. And uh, people, as they walk through a space like you would get in a regular tower defense game, uh, they become more and more influenced the more they see. Oh, that's interesting. So, Maybe let's say that if you have a mall or even something like a freeway or whatever, I think in this, I I like the idea and I'm trying to think of the mechanics of it. So in my mind, I have something where maybe every, I can place a billboard and a billboard has an idea around it, like a very singular idea. It can tell you to like buy, you know, (laughs) whatever. And, or maybe it's three basic words. And so you're trying to set up, uh, uh, a path as such that people will be exposed to all three messages to kind of click in and complete their, their thoughts and their influence. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that makes the road a little bit less interesting a space to me than like a mall is that roads are very bi-directional. You know, people are going exactly this direction or exactly the other direction, whereas people can kind of wander in a mall a little bit more. And so Mm -hmm. the routes are a little bit harder to predict. I think it could work in either space because you know, roads kind of circle in and out from one another. And uh, there are multiple routes that you can take to get to any location. And you can kind of get a sense of where people go, at what rate, at what time of day, and plan accordingly based on what you're trying to sell. So uh, yeah, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But, uh, you know, I think it's an entirely different challenge in a mall as people don't necessarily walk cleanly down a hallway facing in one direction. You know, there's a little bit more wander. You have to be a little bit more eye-catching. So could be uh, both types of challenges in this game. Yeah. How do you see 
in the scenario of a mall, like tower defense games are so often about keeping things away or defeating them before they get to a core. Are you, is the core in this case like an exit? The thing that sets this apart from regular tower defense games is that tower defense games are about numbers going down. And this one's about kind of numbers or influence going up. Mm. Enemies don't have to be defeated by the time they reach the exit. They just have to, you have to exert enough influence to where they will buy the item that you're trying to sell. Yeah, that's interesting. So there must be some steady stream of customers or people to be influenced kind of always mm-hmm. kind of f- flowing into a space. Tower defense games are so often level based. And I wonder if there's something that the level can kind of morph and change as the space fills or maybe as like different shops or something open and close. Um, So you feel more like it's kind of one long epic run of, of something. Yeah. You know, I can't really decide in my mind whether I want to keep this all in one mall, if we were to use that example, or whether I would want to put people in different malls all the time or a combination of the both. I think there's something interesting about revisiting the same space in that you can learn where people tend to go. You know, maybe it's a there's a route between two very popular shops that is very heavily utilized. And so you'd want to put the the ads that have spent the most in that area. And that just requires watching and maybe taking notes or getting a heat map of activity or something. Uh, but I, I want some level of thought that has to go into where everything is put and for what reason. One of my favorite things about tower defense games, and one of my favorite fa- tower defense games is Defense Grid, The Awakening. That has a lot of moments in it where like, people are moving down a set path or whatever. You're defeating the enemies, and then there's kind of the, the scenario where you miss them in some way. Mm-hmm. And so like the the fear of them either having enough health or something to get to your core. In this case I don't know. Like I know the numbers are about going up. But what is I'm trying to picture what a missed person looks like. Is it someone that just like never goes to anything and like what can I do to capture different types of people up front? I assume that like People are looking for different things, and so you need to influence them in different ways. With, I, I selfishly, I love the idea of having a little billboard designer where you could like slap three stickers mm-hmm. on it to make the billboard say a thing, and you know each of those things is tied to a certain type of person or a certain set of behaviors or certain products, and that's what you're kind of slowly doing to build them. And I'm thinking specifically of my experience. Um, I know I'm going a little long on this. I'm thinking specifically of my experience uh, driving into San Francisco and on my commute, there was no less than five iPhone billboards. And most of them were just like, here's a picture taken on a phone. And then like towards the end, it was like, okay, here's the actual phone. (laughs) And then like you can get it on AT&T is the very, very last one. So like the way that that message builds, I think it would be fun to try and find a way to simulate that for the player. So going back to the original point, one of the things that frustrates me about tower defense games is that for as much kind of creativity as you are encouraged to uh, demonstrate, it feels very binary, the win-lose type of scenario. If a if an enemy does not have zero health by the time they get to the end of the path, then they are through. 
Right. And you know, you you lost or you have taken damage or whatever it is, like that is a lose condition. Whereas if people are not influenced by these billboards or these advertisements as they're walking through the space, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, they're still going about their life. It's just that you are tasked with selling very specific items. And at the end of the round, you can see how much money did your items make. And so if they made enough, then great, you move on to the next level. If not, let's rethink our strategy and let's think about, you know, how could we capture more of the audience? But the expectation isn't that every single person has to be completely sold on the item when they exit the space. So there's a little bit more leniency in that. That's smart. I mean, I think an advertiser would disagree with your point if it's okay if someone <laughs> just goes lose their life. But one of the things I think I'll I'll kind of add to that is I love the idea of almost overcooked style, the quote order of what is being sold uh, or what product is like hot at the moment maybe rotates mm -hmm. once or twice per level. So you find yourself like never really idling like tower defense games also get to the point where you're just kind of monitoring uh, for longer periods of time. And I think it would be cool to have a moment maybe mid level where it's like every level is two objectives. And then once you kind of hit your quota or if you manage to get enough people to buy the first thing or see the first thing, whatever you're advertising, then there's kind of this bonus one that crops up and you're like, whoa, okay, now I got to actually move these billboards around and I want this one to say a different thing and like give you that like extra special stretch goal. Or if they're like electronic billboards, it'd be really easy to remotely switch them out for a different advertisement. It would be interesting if there's a level of oversaturation as well, that when somebody sees the same advertisement, oh, yeah. maybe like five times, then they're just like, ugh. They just leave. They're like sick of it. I'm going home. This brand. I, I'll, I'll shop your competitor's brand instead just to stick it to you. So you don't want to set everything to one advertisement if, that is, uh, if that's what is currently missing from your roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I even like the idea of like the path is such that actually people end up buying more predict. Like you could do weird little marketing stuff of like, hey, people buy our product more when they eat first. So like, okay, I'm um, actually yeah. trying to get people to go to the food court and then like, I know I keep returning to the mall idea, but something where you're like, okay, if I can actually get people to behavior Y, then I can get them to, you know, purchase Z. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Well, we're out of, out of, not, not out of ideas. No, we're <laughs> out of time. <laughs> it's Never. just the opposite. Yeah. Right. So we have to call that one to a close and give it a name. We can call it ad nauseum. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, not bad. All right. <laughs> okay. Come on. You can be, you can be happy with that. <laughs> Let's move now to our community. We have a video game pitch that was sent into our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch from Jason SD, who says, here's a game mechanic idea. In a turn-based tactical RPG, the AI enemies and you can see each other's inventories, and the attacker makes an ultimatum based on those resources. So when an AI party attacks you, they could demand one of your swords, food, and a side quest item, then you could either concede and hand over the supplies, or the battle begins. Then any time during the battle, either side can open negotiations and make a new offer. If you were attacked, 
and were losing and wanted to stop before any more party members died, you would have to offer more than what was originally asked for. But if you were attacked and were winning, you could reverse roles and demand resources from the enemy or let them go. You could just kill the entire enemy party and take all their supplies. But killing everyone wouldn't be the smartest idea. In this game, your actions create a reputation that introduces new characters that equal your skill level. So if you're constantly initiating fights and winning, high-level barbarians and bounty hunters start to appear. On the other hand, if you're regularly losing battles and resources, additional characters will appear to aid you like a justice-seeking ranger. And it probably goes without saying that there could also be a nemesis-type loop where enemies you let live or family of enemies you killed seek you out for revenge. Also, not only would your reputation affect who attacks you, it also influences ultimatums. If you frequently concede to demands to avoid fights, enemies would be more aggressive and demand more from you. Or if you kill enemies, even after they surrender, other weak enemies will accept your ultimatums right away and avoid attacking you. And that's the main gist. Can't wait to see where you guys take it. Very cool. Starting the clock. Wow. Well, there's a, so much here, Jason. I feel like I I don't know if it's a matter of adding anything from my standpoint other than I'm just trying to think through what the, the game feels like in interaction. I love the idea of two people coming to meet having to maybe blindly offer each other something uh, of a trade um, or both put up an item in the in the way that like you trade in World of Warcraft or something like that. Both of you can offer up an item. You can see each other's item and then the accept or decline button kind of initiate a, a, a PVE PVP sort of scenario. You know, I see this working well in like a fallout type scenario or maybe like yeah. something similar set in the old west where there's a little bit more of a a bandits type of uh expectation of venturing out into the wilderness outside of town and getting set upon by thieves i don't know whether you are a thief or whether you are uh maybe some sort of a lawful wrangler out there trying to take them down i want to push back against one thing and that's i don't necessarily think it would be the most interesting to see what your opponents have. I think hmm. if there was a certain level of guessing, you can kind of determine based on the way that they're dressed, how much money you should ask from them or what kinds of resources you think they have on them. And you know, maybe if you ask too much, then they would know that they're dealing with an amateur and not take you as seriously. If you, if you just make very minimal asks, then... Obviously, there are still there. There's more that could have been milked from that particular cow. So you know, it's all about kind of managing expectations and uh, trying to get the most out of every encounter. I like your point about reading a person based on how they look, and I love the idea of mapping this onto any of the upcoming fall games, whether it's Red Dead or Fallout. What's interesting to me too is if. Like so often trade, you know, when you open up a trade dialogue or whatever with somebody in a video game, it's as simple as like a menu, like both of you put up a particular thing and you can see it. So if you if you erase that, right, take away mm -hmm. like somebody being able to see it, then you could do something where uh, the options are sort of accept or 
and accept blindly or like war <laughs> essentially so there's I don't no know like you need to accept blindly because you'd at least see what they are offering you you just don't know how much they have in their pockets oh okay okay so but so i don't have to give anything in return in that scenario well i mean it depends on whether you're making a peaceful trade or whether there is some sort of a hold up type of environment okay so if you add on to this something like all the weapons slash resources in the game aren't in the world necessarily to be collected, but rather players spawn in with them or given them in some way. Mm -hmm. And then it's actually like the size of your inventory, like Jason is talking about a little bit, controls whether or not people are coming to you. You kind of become, this would also make sense in a great like Sea of Thieves game. Right. Where you're kind of more notorious of a pirate each time until you're yeah. like known to have the biggest, you know, thing of treasure, booty. the biggest booty. Right. Um, the the T.H.I.C.C. booty. <laughs> uh, and yeah, maybe that alerts other NPCs or even potentially other real world players to your location kind of in that sort of revenge uh, style stuff that they're talking about with Fallout 76. Yeah, well, naturally, if you rob more people, then you would have bounties put against you and the sheriff would be after you or, you know, people would put your face on billboards or uh, on uh, wanted posters and would recognize you more and more. So, you know, there are very kind of natural consequences that would come from robbing more people. What do you think this game ends up feeling like in a because I keep going back to PvP, I, I feel like if it's only con computer-controlled players that you're going to essentially eventually either learn the tricks or whatever, whereas if you had two people and you can either like start as being the person who's making the offering or start by the person who's accepting the offering, it, it feels a lot more interesting to me, although it, if it ends up, depending on my, my shooting skills, I'm probably not going to last very long. Yeah, potentially. I guess that's the thing is that with computers, you can really you can really fine tune the level of difficulty of each other character. Whereas with player characters, sometimes people spend you know hundreds of hours in a game and they just become untouchable, and that's not really fun to run into one of them because they can just demand everything of you, and you either put up or shut up in that case. You know, it just feels like like if you lose to an NPC then there's the expectation that they were supposed to be beatable. And you're like, okay, interesting. Let's approach that from a different direction. But if you lose to a player character, oftentimes it's just like, great. Well, what could I have done? Yeah. Get good is, is the, the typical terminology. Yeah. You're right. That, that makes more sense. I just like, if you're killing people, either you have to do some sort of random generation or you have to figure out a way to um, like, keep it going. Cause I think if it was just pure story based and it was about, a win, I imagine, ends up with you amassing even more stuff. So mm -hmm. if the game is just continuously additive like that and it's it's not easy to kind of set back and lose and always feel like you're kind of two steps forward, one step back, I, I don't know how how compelling it is. Yeah, and I don't know if this needs to be the main mechanic of the game or whether it can be something that is layered onto a different type of game where you have different objectives. You know, it could just be like a more interesting a lot of RPGs and CRPGs and action RPGs have like a like a thief system where you can steal things from NPCs or you know just whatever. This just is a more 
directly confrontational way of doing a very similar thing. It makes me want to return to what was the name of the game that you brought up at the beginning of the show? Uh, oh, a uh, thousand threads. Yeah, I feel like this is something that would map actually very well into that yeah, definitely. style game where uh, you can do a favor for someone, you get their thing, and then you you have this moment of, are you going to trade it to somebody? And then entering a new encounter, and you end up four or five steps down, realizing that not only did you never fulfill the original person's request, but maybe you're in way over your head, and you have to do ten things to kind of get back to just the original simple request. And if somebody comes at you in a threatening way, then you can really choose to pay them off if you want to. You know, that's that's an option that's available to you. We haven't really talked about the nemesis style mm-hmm. loop where the the idea of taking someone from somebody or trading something and then having wronged that person's family is very interesting to me. You could have, if this is a game where you're playing more of a bandit type character, then maybe concealing your identity could be something that you could choose to do. There would have to be some sort of a downside. But, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't recognize you, then they won't be able to tell tales about you and people won't come after you necessarily. But, you know, if there is an inkling, if somebody recognizes your clothing or if somebody recognizes your voice, then all of a sudden, your identity is a known quantity and you can choose to either kill the person or deal with the consequences when they get back to town and start telling the tale. Oh, imagine maybe this is the same thing. I don't think it is, but imagine you kind of have that risk reward of choosing to reveal your identity. And if you do, you have to reveal it to like uh, an area ish of people, right? So you, once you tell somebody Mm -hmm. in a crowded bar or something, it, the you know the words out in the town you are who you are but having a having a bigger reputation means higher level people are going to come after you because okay. they know your reputation but also uh when you ask for something of people they kind of know your reputation and you maybe oh, yeah, get yeah. better stuff yeah, you know there's a reason we're still kind of talking about billy the kid or you know these <laughs> yeah. these characters in history that that made their reputation known and were able to amass a following or put together a gang even, that could be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think that the most notorious bandit, pirate, you know, survivor, whatever it is. And maybe we'll see something like that in Red Dead 2. Who knows? Red Dead 3, rather, would be Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> Red Dead it's Redemption 2, the third. Red, right. So the third Red Dead, the second Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all the time that we have on that one. Let's uh, let's close that up and give it a name. I do like you use the word notorious, and we could just call it. I don't know if there is already a video game called Notorious. Not that there's the uh, the movie and the rapper, but it might be an open goal in the video game space. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Notorious would be cool. Notorious. I think it would only cheapen it to be like Notorious You, Notorious Me or something. There's Wanted. And I don't know if that's used either. I know Dead or Alive is used. <laughs> we should make some sort of uh, spreadsheet that is like Wanted, Dead or Alive, Notorious, Infamous. Yeah. And, the, and then kind of the word legend comes to mind too. Like you're trying to to build your, your ragtag bunch mm-hmm. and turn them into legends. There's a person, there's an old lawman named Bass Reeves, 
who was born in 1838. Uh-huh. And he has a caption under him that says, Black Gun, Silver Star. Silver Star <laughs> is pretty, pretty rad. Black Gun, Silver Star as a title sounds pretty rad, actually. <laughs> Black Gun, Silver Star could be it. And I'll, uh, I will post the link to this uh, article that makes reference to this in the, in the show notes slash website slash whatever we, we do these days. Very cool. Well, yeah, let's go with that then. Black Gun, Silver Star. That's really cool. <laughs> I want to play it just based on the name. I know. Red Dead, look out. That was sent in to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can email us, playwrightcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at playwrightcast. And in any of those locations, you can pitch your own video game, your own idea for a video game, just as Jason did today. And uh, we will discuss it on a future show. And we'll come up with some sort of a video game idea that either completely captures exactly what you were looking for or changes it entirely. Either way, we'll come out with something. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World. It's off the album Blue Noise. It's very good, and you have to go listen to it. To take us out of the show today, Q, why don't you leave us with a miniature idea? So, as long as we're talking about the Old West with Red Dead coming up and this great uh, idea from Jason... Why don't we do a game where you're constantly going to new lands where you have to befriend and trust in either build relationships and live together with indigenous people, or you have to swindle them to take their land in resources? Oh, that's sinister. All right. Well, we'll leave you with that today. If you have any ideas for how an idea like that could go, then uh, tweet at us. We'd love to hear from you. Anyways, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.